Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, as well as your prayer requests. We're standing by. We have pastors here every day on Calvary Live, standing by, ready to take your calls, answering your Bible questions, maybe things that you have come across in your Bible readings that have confused you or maybe concerned you. Maybe you're wondering how uh, the Bible speaks to a certain situation that you're facing in your life right now, or, or for us as a society at large. We'd love to answer those kinds of questions for you here on the show, and we'd love to pray for you. So if there's something going on in your life, and maybe it's not so much that you have a question, as much as that you just want to reach out and have some people know about what's going on and be lifting up that need to the Lord, this is a great opportunity for you to do that. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Personally, I love hearing your voices, so I'd love for uh, you guys to call in at the call-in line, 303-690-3000. So as we wait for those uh, calls to come in and those texts to come in from you, let me just uh, continue to welcome those of you who are tuning in on our different listening stations. The Calvary Live listening family has been growing lately. We're really excited about that. So welcome to you wherever you're tuning in from today. We know we have a lot of listeners tuning in on Grace FM in Colorado and into southern Wyoming. So welcome to all our listeners on Grace FM as well as on the Grace FM app and the Grace FM website. You're hearing the show live today. Uh, Just know that today is Friday, October 15th. And so you are hearing the show live. If you're maybe you're driving, maybe some of you are at work, we want to welcome those of you listening here on Grace FM, as well as gracefm.com and the Grace FM app. If you haven't yet got that, really encourage you to go and get it. It's totally free. Get it on your phone or on your tablet, and you'll be able to listen to the show anywhere in the world, and not just this show, but also the other great Bible teaching programs on Grace FM. And so I want to also you know, welcome those of you who are tuning in outside of our local broadcast range, who are tuning in uh, over, the, uh, over the internet. So welcome to you as well. We also want to greet those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM, which is broadcasting in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. So welcome to all of our friends over there. We love getting your calls uh, from the East Coast, and we also love getting calls from those on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina, as well as now a growing number of stations joining us along the kind of the southern United States from Amarillo, Texas, all the way through 
uh, the southern states into Georgia and Florida. We've gotten some calls recently uh, here at my church from people who uh, have heard the program listening in places like Georgia and Florida, and that's exciting for us, as well as Tennessee. Uh, exciting for us knowing that the number of people who are able to tune in and call in and be part of the show is growing. So welcome to you who are listening on those stations. We want to remind you that those of you listening on the East Coast, the area around Tennessee, um, and the Southern states, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we just want you to know that and keep it in mind, but we don't want it to cause you to not call in with your prayer requests and your Bible questions. We still want to hear from you. And I like to say that you guys have a unique opportunity because knowing that the show when you called in is going to air in your local area a week later, that gives you a unique opportunity where maybe you can reach out and tell some friends and say, hey, you should tune in at this time, at this station, and maybe that's a way that you can in introduce them to listening to that show in your local area, not just that show, but also that station and the Bible teaching that is on it. So we'd love to hear from you. Again, the call-in number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. A few words about myself, then we'll get to our first caller here. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I am the host here on Calvary Live every Friday. Now, for the past few Fridays, I've been away um, because uh, there was a refresh conference at Calvary Aurora, and uh, the staff and everybody uh, involved in that. It was a big undertaking. It was also a huge blessing. So many of you got to take part in that, and it was really great. Um, so it was a big blessing to us and those who we went down to Aurora with, uh, with our church. And so the Refresh Conference was great. And so now we're back to our regular schedule. Uh, and I'm your host here on Fridays. And I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, which is a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church uh, here in this great city of Longmont. If you are in or around Longmont, we would love to have you come and visit and worship with us. Uh, we're currently studying through 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings, and we've past the halfway mark now in the book, where this Sunday we're in chapter 10, which is a really fascinating chapter. You know, what it deals with is this question that a lot of people uh, live their Christian life asking questions like, what is the minimum that I need to do that God requires of me? Or maybe they'll ask, what is the maximum that I can get away with, if you will, and not get on God's bad side, right? And not, not cross the line and, and uh, do something that would uh, cause me to go to hell or God be mad at me and those kinds of things. And I think that Jesus, well, I, I don't think, I know for a fact that Jesus would say, and that's the wrong, those are the wrong questions to be asking. Rather than asking, you know, what's the minimum or, or how much can I get away with? The question that God wants us to be asking is, what does it look like for me to live wholeheartedly for the Lord? What does it look like for me to live to the glory of God in every area of my life? What does it look like for me to love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself? When you start asking those questions, you don't even have to ask the questions about, you know, is this sin? Uh, where's the line here? Because you're not dancing on the line anymore. Now, now you're in a, in a whole new sphere of seeking God and seeking to walk with him, and you're pursuing him in a whole new way where you're not obsessing over, is this sin, is this not sin? Rather, you're seeking to love the Lord with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a whole new way of living, and it's, it's amazing. It leads to freedom and life. And so that's what we'll be talking about this Sunday in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'd love to have you join us. Our services are at 
8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. So three services on Sunday morning. We have a children's ministry at for, for all the kids at 9.30 and 11 a.m. services. Those are also live streams. So for anybody out of our uh, out of our area where you could drive here to the church and worship with us, we welcome you to check out our live stream on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also get directions and find our location on there as well if you'd like to check us out in person. Uh, we just moved into a new facility just a year ago, and it's a great location. We are um, right in between I-25 and downtown Longmont, right on Highway 119. In fact, as I'm speaking to you, I'm looking out my window and looking right out at Highway 119. And if any of you know where the Sandstone Ranch Community Park here is here in Longmont, it's a big sports complex, or where the Walmart is here on the southeast side of Longmont, we are directly across the street from them on the north side of Highway 119. The address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So 2950 Colorful Avenue here in Longmont. And again, services are at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you worship and study the Word with us. And you can find more information at whitefieldschurch.com. Well, without any further ado, let's go to our first caller, Robert in Colorado Springs. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. How are you doing, Pastor Nate? Doing great. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I just had a question I was kind of pondering earlier. Um, I've all, often heard it said that the devil knows scripture more than most Christians do. Uh, and basically one of the first prophecies in the Bible where it says, uh, where God says to um, the serpent, the, the seed of the woman shall crush your head. Uh, so all throughout the Old Testament, it points to Christ and it points to his coming and how he's going to suffer for our sins and die and be the resurrected Savior. And so my question is, um, why didn't the devil do something to stop that? I mean, you know, obviously he tempted Christ in the wilderness. Uh, you know, Christ battled him back with Scripture. And if the devil knows Scripture, it knows that the cross is more or less his demise, his downfall. And so I was just curious why he wouldn't try to stop Christ from going to the cross. Was it because that he didn't think Christ could overcome death? Or just kind of curious. Uh, his thinking behind that. Oh, well, I'll have to just tell you straight up, he absolutely did attempt to keep Christ from going to the cross. I mean, that is told to us, not just in the Gospels, but it's told to us uh, perhaps even more strongly in Revelation, where we kind of get the story of the Bible told in this, in this uh, juxtaposition between the woman and the dragon. Let me let me just read that to you, and I'll, I'll kind of explain what it means. So in the first 11 chapters of Romans, right, you have a lot of events taking place. They're taking place in chronological order. But then we get to chapter 12, and all of a sudden we get kind of a summary. But not just a summary of what's been happening in Revelation, but kind of a summary of the story of the world. And here's what it is. It says this in chapter 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns on his heads, seven diadems. Now let me just stop right there and explain. So there's this woman clothed with the sun, that's Israel, a moon under her feet, on her head a crown of twelve stars. So speaking of Israel. 
she's pregnant and crying out in birth pains, the agony of giving birth. Who's the child she gives birth to? The Israel is giving birth to Jesus, the Messiah. But then, of course, there's this dragon, Satan. So it's talking about this war that's taking place between the dragon and the seed of the woman, who was promised, of course, back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So it says that the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God in his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness. So, okay, what it says there, the history of the world is the history of Satan trying to thwart God's plan to bring redemption through the seed of the woman, Jesus, the Messiah. And so we see that uh, with Jesus on the way, you know, whether it's Satan trying to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, trying to derail him from going to the cross eventually, which he knows is, is like you said, his downfall. So we see it so many times. We see it, um, for example, when Jesus announces at Caesarea Philippi to his disciples, he says, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, you know, it's not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, Peter. It's my father who's in heaven. And he says, it's for this reason that I'm going to go and I will be handed over to the chief priests and the, the authorities and they will deal with me, you know, badly. They will put me to death and kill me, but I will be raised up on the third day. And Peter says to him, you know, basically he says, Jesus, stop saying these things. This is not okay. How dare you say that you're going to die? And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you are mindful not of the things of God, but the things of men. So there's, what he's saying is that Satan is inspiring Peter in that moment to try to derail him from his purpose and calling as the Messiah. And, and you know, you could, you could also name other times. Okay, there's Satan inspiring in the garden, right, to derail the project, cutting off an ear, trying to liberate Jesus, right? Um, so I think there are so many times along the way where Satan was engineering opportunities for Jesus's mission to be derailed uh, for that very reason. He knew it was his downfall. Now, one last thought on this is that even though he knows that it's his downfall, you can see that this is what pride does to people, right? Pride locks you in where even though you know that this is going to take you down, he's so proud that he still pursues this. He still uh, elevates himself in opposition to God uh, rather than humbling himself before God. We could ask the question, can't, could Satan have repented and been saved? Of course, it's a hypothetical question. We'll never truly know the answer, but I would venture to say that um, salvation in the Bible is given to human beings, not to any other kind of, of creature. So salvation is for human beings, which would say that an angelic being, having fallen, cannot then repent and be saved by the actions of Jesus, right? Um, another, another important thing to note is that what is Satan doing? Knowing that his downfall is coming, he's essentially like, like when you push somebody into a pool and before they, you know, fall into the pool, what do they try and do? They, they realize that they're going down, so they try to grab anybody else to take them down with them so they don't just go in alone. So that's, that's basically where we're at with Satan. All right. Uh, well, I was just curious, though, because um, whenever Judas betrayed uh, Jesus, it says that Satan entered into him. And so was he 
you know, more or less uh, helping Christ go to the cross? Because, I mean, if Satan hadn't entered into him, uh, you know, he wouldn't have been betrayed. And so that whole series of events led Jesus uh, to the cross at that specific time. Uh, so was he more or less just kind of helping Jesus on his mission to go to the cross whenever he entered into Judas to betray him? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that in a in a well, in a very direct way, he was helping Jesus, but I don't think it was the intent of Satan to help Jesus. I would put it this way also. I don't believe that Satan has foreknowledge. I don't believe that he knows the future. And right, if Satan knows scripture, think about in that moment, did Satan know the scriptures that were going to be written? I would say no. And just perhaps like many of the uh many of the people at that time was not fully understanding how the scriptures from the Old Testament were going to be fulfilled in Jesus. And so one of the one of the verses I like on this subject is found in the book of Acts chapter 2 where Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost and he says this in verse 23. He says Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So here's Satan inspiring Judas to do this terrible, sinful act of betraying Jesus and handing him over. And yet, according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, it's exactly what needed to happen. Okay. Well, I appreciate your insight on that, Pastor Nick. Uh, thanks for taking my call again. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Absolutely. God bless you. Thanks for calling in, Robert. God bless you. Right. you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you have questions about, maybe a Bible verse you've always wondered, what does this mean? Or something where you wonder, what does the Bible say to this situation I'm going through in my life? We'd love to answer those questions for you and pray for you. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. We've got a text message that came in from Angel. He's requesting prayers for his brother who's undergoing surgery to remove a cancerous tumor in his vertebrae. His brother's name is Demetrio. So let's pray for Demetrio and for his brother Angel who wrote in. Lord, we lift up Demetrio to you. We ask, Lord, that this surgery would be successful. And we know that um, and there's a lot of, of difficulty going in and removing a cancerous tumor from an area that um, vulnerable, that tender, and that complicated and complex. So Lord, we, we thank you. We know that you created his body. You know the inner workings of it. And Lord, we pray that you would direct the hands of this doctor as he goes in, makes the incisions, as he removes the tumor. Lord, we pray for him to be aware, and we pray for him to be attentive as he uh, operates on Demetrio. And Lord, we pray for Demetrio and his family. Lord, I pray that Demetrio would have made his peace with you before he goes into surgery, and he'll be able to go to sleep with those anesthetics or from the anesthesia, knowing that if he wakes up here on earth or if he wakes up walking into heaven, he is going to be okay. And so, Lord, we pray for his family. We pray that they would have great confidence and trust in you 
they would encourage Demetrio uh, with the words that he needs to hear. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would reign over the situation, over this family. And we pray for a successful surgery. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, Demetrio, we're praying for you. Angel, praying for your brother. Thanks for writing in. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. And you're listening to Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're standing by to take those questions and to pray for those prayer requests. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to our next caller, Samuel, online too in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Samuel. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hope you're having a good day today. It's Friday, right? Absolutely. What's going on? Uh, I have a question. It's kind of more of a thought process on it, but, uh, and then two prayer requests, if possible, if time allows. Um, the uh, In the Old Testament, there was a, basically, every seven years, there was supposed to be a time of rest. And mm-hmm. in the Jewish calendar, it comes out that this year is that time as well. I think the Hebrew word Shemitah or something of that sort. But my question is, you know, with the understanding that we're in the New Covenant, we're not bound by the old feasts and things of that sort. What would it look like in a modern business, you know, kind of applying that principle of that Shemitah year in a modern business? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, it's supposed to be a deal where you're supposed to sow for six years. Seventh year was supposed to be a land, a time of rest for the land. And it was obviously a deal where, um, you know, Israel got in trouble for it. They got kicked out of the land for 70 years because they weren't faithful to that. You know, it's based primarily on an agricultural thing. Mm-hmm. But many of the feasts have good principles and applications that we can put into our lives in modern times. So what might that look like in a modern business? And it's something I, I have a fairly new business where it's like a mobile auto service, but you know, so I haven't had the six years of reaping or reaping and sowing before, but how might I honor God in that and looking in that time um so I don't know if that makes sense on that question. Hopefully sure, it does. Sure. Yeah, and Samuel, you know, I think you you bring up a really great point, which is that just because we under the new covenant are no longer required to do things, that doesn't mean that we should necessarily not do those things, right? Sometimes I, I hear people talk like that where they'll be like, you know, according to the Bible, I don't have to tithe. I don't have to attend church. And I would say, well, just because you don't have to doesn't mean that you shouldn't. And so I think you're asking a great question. Is there a principle here that can be applied to the business? I think there is a principle, and that principle is one of rest, and it's also one of faith. You know, you think about the Sabbath, but also the Sabbath year. What it essentially communicated was that I am going to trust God enough to take a break. That, And I'm going to say that I am not a a slave to my work, rather I belong to God. I serve God, not my, not my land, not my business, not my job. So Samuel, there could be a couple ways for you to look at this. Uh, one way is that you could look at it in the sense of, you know, you're going to maybe hire somebody else to take care of that business in some way for a time when you take a break from it. 
just to kind of run it. You're no longer necessarily trying to build it, but you'll let it kind of run on its own, maybe with somebody else watching over it. Another way is for you to actually just shut it down. And maybe it's not for a year, maybe it's for a month. I've known uh, several people who've done this, you know, as a way of saying, you know, we, we've come through this time, we're just going to shut our business down uh, for a month, maybe two, give everybody some time off, maybe it's even paid leave. And, um, you know, that would be, you know, if you were an employee, you can imagine that would be a huge blessing. Um, you could also do it with a sense of saying, you know, I'm going to dedicate that time that I'm off of this business to actually seeking the Lord and seeking rest in Him. So I think there's a lot of ways to do it. And I would just encourage you, you know, this is like, it reminds me of Romans 14 and 15, where Paul says, let every person be convinced in their own mind and to do what they're doing as unto the Lord. And so I would just really encourage you and I'd be happy to pray for you that you could find a way to do that in a way that honors God and honors your employees and, and trusts Him. Okay. Uh, and that's, you know, I've asked, you know, it's been a good topic of conversation because I've asked various folks about it. And I think in a lot of times there's certainly things that we have questions in the Bible and sometimes we don't necessarily get the answer, but I think there's uh, it's good and healthy to go through that, and sometimes just seeking the question is beneficial in itself without maybe not getting a definitive answer on that. Sure. Um, the two prayer requests I had was this year's really, on top of starting the business, uh, you know, and being fairly young, um, it's just been kind of a time of pruning where God's been taking a bunch of stuff away, and it has just been a lot of stuff. Um, it feels like the, it's kind of transition. We're going to, you know, uh, not so much of the pruning now as there was. There was a lot of stuff going on. There was death in the family, fight over a little one, fight over the burial, and just, you know, all kinds of different stuff we've been going through. And it has been very, very, very difficult to go through. So if I could just pray, get some prayer for our strength to go through this. Um, and at the same time, here recently, it's been something where, you know, with going through this time and season, God's revealed that there's been a bunch of junk still in my heart. And, you know, here recently there's been a lot of just nasty stuff coming out of my mouth that I didn't even know was still in there in my heart. So just kind of some help with purifying and refining myself, getting getting through this. Okay. You know, and I think that, I think that may be a situation for a lot of folks, too. And maybe there's been stuff that they've been going through, and it's brought out stuff that they didn't know was still in there either. So, okay, well, let's just, pray for you. Might not just be for me. Okay, let's pray for you then, Lord. We li we lift up to you, Samuel. Um, thank you for his heart to really live his life in a way that honors you and and recognizes the truth and the wisdom of your word. I pray that you give him a lot of wisdom with how to apply these things um, to his life and to his family situation, to his business. Lord, I pray for him particularly as he said that he's just had a lot of uh, great difficulty over the past year. It sounds like there was some loss of life and in the family. And so, Lord, we pray for strength and recovery. Lord, we pray that they would show each other grace during this time. That in a time of pain, Lord, that they would not be uh, reaching out and hurting each other, but they'd be reaching out uh, in, in grace to help each other. Lord, let their words always be with grace as if seasoned with salt. And so, Lord, we pray for them that you would help them. And, and I pray for Samuel as, you know, as sometimes when we're squeezed, that's when the stuff comes out like a sponge. And so as he's being squeezed right now and seeing the stuff come out that isn't exactly pretty, 
But I thank you on the one hand that it's coming out, that it's coming to the surface, like it's like dross that can be cleansed and and moved away. But I pray, Lord, that that refining work would happen, and Lord, that He would submit to it, and Lord, that He would see uh, that sanctification process uh, come to fruition in His life. Lord, that He would be uh, coming out of this more like You, Jesus, in every way by the power of Your Spirit. So, Lord, we ask for wisdom, strength, and guidance for Him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Samuel. Thanks so much for calling Thanks. in. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. Have a great bye-bye. weekend. You too. All, All right. right. Thank you. Bye. Hey, with that, we are coming right up to our mid-show break, just in a few seconds here. Um, we have one open line, so give us a call. Maybe that's two open lines. You have two open lines. Give us a call. We'll get you on right after the break. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us 720-336-0897. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're standing by every weekday uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time to take those calls and to pray for your prayer requests. So give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. Well, we were talking to... One Samuel before uh, the break, and now we've got another Samuel as our first caller on this side of the break. So let's go to Samuel in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Samuel. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much, and God bless. I enjoy your show. Glad to have you. Yes, uh, my question is, uh, okay, we're reading through the Bible, and I've read through before, but this time I'm using a chronological Bible. Yeah which I highly recommend anyone that reads through the Bible. But anyway, when I've read through it before, it was always confusing because like, you know, in Kings, Chronicles, Jeremiah, Isaiah, it's like, it's like you're reading the king dies, and then a chapter later he's, he's alive again. Yeah. In, in other words, my question is, why is, why are those, I mean, I understand why the books aren't in chronological order, but why isn't the word in like kings why does it bounce around so much back and forth in history and same thing with chronicles jeremiah yeah okay you so, understand you yeah so why is it written oh so you're asking why is the bible not not written in chronological order well like with kings and chronicles jeremiah mm-hmm. see what i'm saying because because they don't stay in chronological order like even when you're reading through kings oh right you'll be reading about you'll be reading about, like, say, King Ahab. Well, he gets, he dies, and then next thing you know, he's doing something. Yeah. And in yeah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah's the same way. 
where he talks about before they go into captivity in Babylon, but then they're in captivity, then it goes back to where they're not in captivity. Right. There's a couple reasons for what you're asking about. Okay, so um, the first one, we'll just put it this way. I, I'll just explain to people, because I have another question that was texted in, very similar to yours, asking why are the books of the prophets not listed in chronological order? Here's the answer to those questions. Um, first of all, the books of the Bible— the way that they're organized for us, right? The Bible's not one book. It's 66 different books written by 40 different authors over the course of 1,600 years in three languages uh, written on three different continents. And so the Bible, yeah. you know, it's, it's an amazing book, but the way that the books of the Bible are organized for us is not in the order that the books were written. Um, and it's also not necessarily in chronological order of the events that take place, especially with the prophets. And so what right. we have with those is they're organized by a type of literature or genre, if you will, historical books, poetry books, prophecy books, etc. And they're organized by size, right? So the larger prophet books come first and the smaller prophet books come later. Um, even amongst the prophets, they're organized by size. Now, to answer your question, here's the thing, uh, Samuel, I think that a lot of people— um, perhaps don't don't see about the Bible, is that the Bible has a purpose, and its purpose is not always what we want it to be, right? Like, so sometimes uh, people will read Genesis, and what we want is for the Bible to give us a scientific answer. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that Genesis is not scientific. But what I'm saying is that some—or or we'll want Genesis to give us a history of the world. But there's one chapter in Genesis, chapter 5, where— um, 1,600 years of human history is skipped over in one chapter, right? And we get a list of names and one interesting thing about one guy named Enoch. That's all we get in 1,600 years of human history. In other words, if we're looking to the Bible to be a comprehensive history of the world, that is not what it's there to give us. Furthermore, if we're looking to the uh, Old Testament books, the historical books like Kings, First uh, and Second Samuel, First and Second Chronicles— if we're looking to them to be purely historical and purely chronological history of Israel, that's not what they're there to do either. What they're there to do is to give us um, a theological history of Israel. And that's really important because, for example, 1 Samuel, one of the difficulties with 1 Samuel is that some of the stories are written out of order. They're not, not really far out of order, but they're a little bit out of order. So, for example— uh, we read in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel that David begins to work in the house of Saul, playing music for him and serving him in his room when he doesn't feel good. But then the next thing we read is that David's going, he's out in the field with his sheep, and he gets called up to the front lines to, um, you know, fight with Goliath. And it says that, that King Saul sees him, and King Saul has never seen him before in his life. You're like, wait a second, doesn't this guy work in this guy's house? Well, yeah, but understand that chapter 17 of 1 Samuel is like a standalone story, which is such a big, important story. It's kind of like when you're reading a book and they'll have kind of a standalone part that maybe has a different colored background behind the text. Um, that's kind of how the book is written there in 1 Samuel. It's mostly chronological, but every now and then there's something that's out of order in order to tell us the story. Because that's the thing, the, the Bible there, not just, not just in that area, but the Bible as a whole 
does not exist necessarily to give us a comprehensive history of the world or to give us a comprehensive scientific account. Now, that being said, wherever the Bible does speak about history or science, it is accurate. But it, it's kind of giving us its story on its terms. And the way that we have to understand is that the Bible, more than anything, it is a book about Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible is a book about Jesus. And what that means is that even when it gives us history, it's not just giving us history for history's sake, it's giving us a theological history which aims to tell us things and teach us lessons theologically over, and, and the way it does that is by recounting history to us. But if by swapping out some events or, or putting things in a different order than they necessarily took place, it can do that best, then it'll do that. It's kind of like, um, you know, anytime you tell a story, there are parts of the story that you might leave out or parts that you'll emphasize because you have a reason with telling that story. The same is true with the Bible. Mm, okay, so okay, so so now it's starting. Now that I think about it, it's starting to make a little bit more sense. So what you're saying is that the reason why why that it brings up, like you know, and I'm I'm just using a, an example, you know, like Ahab, he's dead, but then it tells a story about what he did later on in the book, even though it's already said that he died. Yeah, so if that's basically like... For, yeah, it, for emphasis around the story they're telling at the time. Exactly. So, Is that what one, yeah, yes, I am. But one of the things with Kings and Chronicles that they often do is they'll give you a summary of the guy's life, and then they'll tell you a story from his life after that, right? So say, Ahab lived here, he did this, he was the son of this guy, he had this many kids, and then he either served the Lord or he didn't, and then he died. And then it'll, then it'll tell right. you a story from his life, right? So that's, that's right. just how it works. With the prophets, the way it works is that it'll tell you, you know, Jeremiah, oftentimes it'll tell you about a vision he had seeing the people in captivity and then it'll zoom back to where Jeremiah's actually at. Because, you know, Jeremiah yeah. himself never went into captivity. He actually led people from Jerusalem down into Egypt, but he had these visions of the people in captivity. Right, yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, because it, it's just, you know, it, 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 it kind of makes sense now because it's just, it's, you know, I've had other people ask me that question too because, you know, like I said, even up myself, trying to read through it, it's kind of a struggle because it goes back and forth at times. And even with the prophets, like uh, Jeremiah will do that also. There's mm -hmm. times where he'll go back and forth. Right. And, but, so it kind of makes sense that, and, you know, it, it's all, you know, it's all inspired by the Lord. And he's the one that, that decided to do the layout like that. But, um, yeah, it's just, so, but I, for people that have struggled I really do recommend reading the chronological Bible. It's just so, uh, it's to me, you know, and I, like I said, I, I like to think that I know the Bible fairly well, but for me, it's really given me a lot, lot more insight and shown me a lot that I didn't see before because since it's in chronological order, mm -hmm. order you can actually see things as they progress, things as they happen without going back and forth. But, um, and oh, good. also, in the chronological order, it also has 
it has all the different books where the stories are, you know, the same stories related at sure. the same time. And that's a blessing because you get the different uh, perspectives. I'm going to have yeah, to let you go because I've got some other callers. But, hey, Samuel, thanks so much for uh, calling in. And I also have been using Chronological uh, Bible pro- reading program, and it's been excellent for me, too. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to our next caller. Thank you, God. Uh, Christian in Wheat Ridge, Colorado. Hi, Christian. Welcome to the program. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Hey, who created God? Yep, so that's the thing about God. He is the uncreated creator. So was there anything before God? There was not, because God does no beginning. So there can't be anything before God. In fact, there's no such thing as before God. So how does he exist? See, that's the amazing thing about God, is that he is self-existent. That's the very different thing about God. It makes him unique amongst all creation as opposed to us, right? So we had a beginning. There was a time before you and I existed. But there's never been a time before God existed. He's the uncreated creator. He's the unsustained sustainer. He sustains himself. And um, he exists out of his own existence, right? So he has no thing that keeps him in existence. He is the source. So there was nothing, so there's no beginning before God, or what? So let's put it this way. There, there is no such thing as before God. If God is eternally existent, that means that there was never a before God, there will never be an after God. This is the essence of who God is. He's the uncreated creator. So God has existed in every single time? God has existed... You might even say before time, right? So God, essentially, time is found in the sense that God exists, and that is why there is time, right? We count time from the beginning of creation. Did God create time? Yeah, I mean, time is a construct, so I don't know if it's it's kind of like, can you even create it? It's just a construct. It's a way of measuring the passing of events. All right. Thanks, Pastor. See ya. You bet. God bless you, Christian. Thanks for the call. Uh, We have now two open lines. Go ahead and give us a call. You're listening to Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, and you can call in with your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. 0897. Let's go to our next caller, Heath in Eaton. Hi, Heath. Welcome to the program. Uh, yeah. Hi, Nick. Um, I got a question, just some advice on um, just how to handle the situation, I guess. It's not sure. a bad situation. Just I want to know. I've got a few people at work that I like, you know, and I don't feel like I'm that great of a friend if I don't tell them about the gospel or, or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Just not sure how to share it with people, I guess. I don't, uh, two people I'm thinking about at work, one is, uh, one is an atheist, and the other one used to be a Christian and had some rough times and isn't anymore, so it's kind of a touchy subject, probably. And I just want to have any insight or any thoughts on, um, I guess, sharing the gospel or sharing your own t- testimony or something of that sort without being too pushy or being the guy 
at work, everyone has to watch out for. Yes. Sure. Yeah. You know, Heath, I think that's a great question, great desire that you want to share the, share your faith with these people because you care about them and, and you want to be, you know, like you said, it's a loving thing to want to share your faith with them and the way of salvation. So that's awesome. We're doing a class on evangelism right now at our church. And so we've been talking about some of these things the past few weeks and about what we can do to share our faith better. I guess the number one piece okay. of advice I would give you is to ask a lot of questions because if people, you know, you can ask questions in a way that comes across as intrusive or, or awkward, but if you ask questions because you actually care and you're willing to listen, I would say, man, people will really respond to that, you know? So you can ask, you mentioned the guy who's an atheist, just ask him, you know, hey, how did you, were you always an atheist? How, did, was there a point in your life where you became an atheist? What were you before that? Or, you know, have you ever, you know, just tell me about it. And as you, you express interest in what he believes, you know, maybe you're going to get to the point where he asks you about the hope that you have. You know, that would be ideal if you got him to be curious about the hope that you have. So that way it's not you pushing something on him. It's you actually seeking out a relationship with him and hoping that through that relationship, a door will open that through which uh, you'll be able to speak words of eternal life into his life. Um, so uh, same with the guy who used to be a Christian. You say it's a touchy subject. Man, just, uh, I would, I think that you can be pretty bold in that situation in a very friendly and kind way and say, hey, um, so what happened, man? I, I, I'm curious because I care. Like, I'm a Christian, and so I'm genuinely curious what happened to you, to you that was bad in the church? And, you know, I, I want to make sure we don't follow those same mistakes in, in my church. Any, any approach that you can take like that, I think, is pretty disarming and makes people, you know, rather than putting up a guard against you, uh, you're showing genuine concern. And I really do think that that's at the heart of evangelism. It's, it's love for people. And, um, and so we want to just think through, how can I best communicate to this person that I really do care and love about them, or I really do care about them and love them. And as you build that relationship, the doors for, are going to naturally open. The, the guy who um, used to be a Christian, he, he told me he used to be a, a minister for Lutheran, but he lost his, some family, like, really close to, to each other, and he lost his faith because, I guess, it was just hard on his heart. He couldn't imagine a loving God doing that. I don't know how to, you know, he probably knows the Bible better than I do, or I don't really know how to approach that that well. Yeah, and I mean, that's that sounds like it's really personal to him as well. And um, He's a nice know, guy, and I think he's open to talking about stuff. I just, I don't want that to change that where he is now closing off because I'm asking too much, or I'm pushing one way or another. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would just be, I think, some way worth having that conversation. You know, does he still believe, but he's hurt? Or does he no longer believe because of that issue? And, you know, like he, you said, he, he probably knows the Bible. Go ahead. What were you going to say? He said he, he's, or he said he's uh, not a Christian anymore, so I assume, he no longer you know, believes. He, yeah. I, yeah. Or he said he's an ex-minister, so I assume he, that means he's not a Christian anymore also. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. I mean, I think it's one thing to leave ministry and another thing to, I think it's also another thing to not believe than it is to believe but be so hurt or disoriented 
that you are not practicing. So I guess I would, I would uh, maybe have the guy over, right? Befriend him and, and talk to him. I, I would, again, still take that relational approach. But I'd also say okay. equip yourself because that's what, um, that's what Peter encourages us to do, right? Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And he says also, but do it graciously, right? When you talk to people. So, um, you know, that topic of, it's called theodicy. It's the topic of how we make sense of a world in which there's a loving God and yet there's evil and suffering and death in the world. That is maybe the number one topic that the Bible talks about more than almost any other topic. It's a topic that's covered in the first book that was written chronologically in the Bible, the book of Job. You know, think about that. When God started communicating to people, the first thing he wanted to communicate with them about is the question of why there is evil and suffering in the world if God is truly sovereign and good and loving. And there are some great answers to that question. Um, and I would encourage you, there's some really good books out there um, that could help equip you. I'll give you a couple titles real quick if you want. Uh, I guess the, yeah. number, the number one title I would give you is a book called Confronting Christianity. Confronting Christianity. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's a great book. Um, on, it deals with 12 big questions that uh, people often struggle with when it comes to Christianity. And um, I'll tell you one more thought on that, and then I'll, I'll pray for you and let you go. Okay. That thought is this, that I have a good friend. He is a missionary in Ukraine, and his, his father was a pioneering missionary in Ukraine and just a, a really wonderful guy, you know, and served the Lord his whole life. And then his, his father, the, who died, the, the way he died is that he went to Kyrgyzstan to help pioneer a new movement of church planting. And while he was in Kyrgyzstan, he got sick, went into the hospital, and because of the conditions in the hospital, he ended up getting sepsis and he died. And um, they weren't able to save him. And my friend, he says, you know, he really struggled with wondering, how could it be that God would allow my father to die? You know, such a good man, served the Lord, did all these things. How could God do that? And as he was thinking about that, he thought, wait a second, every single person who's died before had somebody connected to them who said, you know, how can this be that, this, that God allowed this person to die? And it, it, it caused him to understand that, okay, in this world we live in, it caused him to kind of rethink some things he already knew. In this world we live in, pain, sickness, and death are realities. And if we ask the question, why hasn't God done anything about it? The answer is actually God has done something about it in Jesus. That's the whole point. That's the whole message of the gospel is that it's not hope for this life. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome this world. So that's the hope of the gospel. It's not that God will keep our lives problem-free, even, even tragedy-free. It's the hope of a better life because of the resurrection of Jesus. So let me pray for you, and then I'll let you go. Heavenly okay. Father, pray for Heath, and I thank you for his desire to be a witness for you in his workplace and to befriend these people and be able to speak into their lives. Lord, give him wisdom Give him guidance by your spirit, even in the moment when he needs it. Lord, give him just the right words to speak. Give him a sensitivity to your spirit 
as he shares the gospel with these people. We pray in that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Heath. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Nick. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Sean in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the program. Sean, are you here with us? If not, then we're going to go to Adrian in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to the program. Adrian, are you here? Okay. Oh, there we go. Is this Adrian? Yeah. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to the program. What can we do for you? Uh, my question is, um, um, Adam and Eve, uh, I know we all had a free will, we have a choice, but um, Adam and Eve, they really have a choice? Or were they supposed to, supposed to sin? I mean, was it an option not to sin? If so, mm-hmm. what, what would the world look like? Yeah, Adrian, I would say that Adam and Eve did have the option not to sin. And in fact, you know, if you look at them, they had one advantage that we don't have. And that's that Adam and Eve were born without a sinful nature, without a predisposition to sin. You know, what the Bible tells us is that as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve, all of us who have descended from them are now born with a fallen nature. So we have been born in this way in which um, we are predisposed to sin. In other words, we, we don't only, we aren't sinners only because we sin. We also sin because we are sinners. But Adam and Eve had that advantage that we don't have. They didn't have that sinful nature. And so they did absolutely have the option to trust God and obey God and not eat from the tree and sin. <clears throat> and you ask the question, what would have happened if they hadn't done that? Well, what would have happened is that the world would have gone on in the way that God intended it to be. right? Which is if you look at the book of Revelation... What you'll notice is that um, in the book of Revelation, things are restored back to the way that they originally were, they originally should have been, which is man and God together in a world that is cultivated, right? Because Adam and Eve weren't supposed to live in a garden forever. They were supposed to cultivate that garden, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so that's what we see in Revelation is the fulfillment. Heaven is essentially the fulfillment of what Uh, the Garden of Eden was meant to be and could have been. Man and woman living together with God and others in perfect harmony and in perfect harmony with nature. So that's all been thrown off because of sin. But we have this great redemptive drama, right, that Jesus carried out for us. And because of that, we can be saved and we get to experience the fulfillment and restoration of Eden still yet to come in heaven. Okay. Cool. Thank you for calling in, Adrian. God bless you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and with your prayer requests. Let's go to our next caller, John in Boulder, Colorado. Hi, John. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? Doing great. So I just came to your church the first time this Sunday, Um, but I've been a Christian basically my whole life. I was saved at a young age, and I'll go through spells where I'm just completely on fire for Jesus. Uh, and 
it'll last for a short time, and then I just fall right back into the same sin over and over again. But it just discourages me because I fall into it so easily. Like, there's there's no, um, not even a battle. I just give in, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't know how to stop doing that. Yeah, John, you know, there's a few few pieces of advice I could give you. Um, one piece of advice is, you know, it says in the, the Psalms, Psalm 119, the Psalm writer, mm-hmm. he says, I have stored your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. So what mm-hmm. that tells us is that being in the word consistently, you know, being in church, being in a fellowship with others, reading the word on your own or with your family is really, really powerful when it comes to helping us not fall back into patterns of sin. The other thing is for us to be in fellowship with others. I really, truly believe that we can't, and we're not even supposed to, we're not even called to do this Christian life on our own. We're called to do it with other people. And it says there in um, the book of James, right, confess your sins to one another. I think that one of the best things we can do is have people with whom we're really honest and we can say, you know, I, I just keep getting tempted back into this thing. I want to put this in my past. I want to experience God's power of, you know, setting me free in my life, but I just, I keep, I'm stuck. And to have those people around you who can pray for you and who can know about it, I think is extremely powerful. So be in the word, be in fellowship. I think that's going to really help. And uh, hey, I'm, I was glad to meet you on Sunday. I hope to see you again. I appreciate it. All right. Let me pray for you you as we close our show. Lord, I lift up John to you, and I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen him in his inner man, that truly he would be able to set aside the sinful ways that he wants to leave behind him and walk with you in freedom and victory. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. Love to have you join us this weekend on Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. Again, whitefieldschurch.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week on Calvary Live. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.